We're going to take out our Bibles this morning. We're going to be continuing our series through Romans. We're kind of on the home stretch, I feel. We're sort of the landing gears down, as it were. We're kind of heading in to land. But we're going to be turning to Romans chapter 15 this morning. And uh, as you do that, I might just pray. So Lord, here we are again this morning. And Lord, we're not here just to uh, go through the motions. We're not here just to have a a nice service. But Lord, um, we want to be changed. We want to encounter you, Lord God. And Lord, uh, it's an amazing thing to think about that we've, we've never had this very moment before in your presence. And we never again will, Lord. And so we just invite you to come and speak to us, Lord. We ask that you would help us to be receptive Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. As we open up your word, Lord God, let it uh, go deep into our hearts. As as Spurgeon, I believe it was, prayed, Lord, let your word comfort the afflicted today and let it afflict the comfortable, Lord, I pray. I ask Holy Spirit for you to breathe life upon these words that I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 15 is where we're going to be. In the 1956 National Athletics Championships, just prior to the Melbourne Olympic Games, a famous act of sportsmanship took place in the final of the mile, the National Mile Championship. This was the era, of course, of the famed four-minute mile, you know, as runners were trying and striving to attain or break through what was seemingly deemed an impossible barrier, to run one mile in under Four minutes. And shortly into the third lap of this particular race, a young up-and-coming middle-distance runner by the name of Ron Clark, who was in the lead at the time, unfortunately he was clipped from behind by another runner and he tripped and stumbled and fell right there in the middle of the race. Now another famous Australian middle-distance runner by the name of John Landy was not far behind him. He was actually just behind him and in fact as Ron Clark went down, He jumped to avoid him, but on his way through, unfortunately, spiked him in the arm with his running spikes. So what happened next, though, has gone down in Australian sporting folklore as one of the most incredible acts of sportsmanship ever seen. Because John Landy, in the middle of the race, he stopped, he turned back, he checked to see if the young runner was okay. He apologized for spiking him in the arm. He helped him up again, and only then did he continue to run the race. Now, what made this act of sportsmanship more, even more remarkable is that he wasn't required to do any of that. He could have just kind of jumped over him and carried on with his race. He was well within his rights to keep going and focus on his position, on his results, particularly as one of those runners who was there or thereabouts in breaking through that four-minute barrier. And this act of sportsmanship cost him time in a fast-paced race. It cost him his position at the time. The other runners were some 50 metres ahead by the time he kind of started running again. It cost him potentially a chance to win. Now, as a little aside here, the incredible act was that he actually came back and won the race, which was quite amazing. But certainly it cost him a chance at the record, breaking through that four-minute barrier. But in what was a somewhat tricky, awkward, difficult situation, he was looking beyond himself. 
He was looking to the interests of others. He was seeking to lift up this other opponent when he had fallen. This story came to mind this week, and aside from being a, an uplifting and inspirational sportsmanship story, I believe that we can draw parallels with our lives of faith. And I believe this is a picture of what the Apostle Paul is exhorting God's people with in our passage today. How we're called to live, how we're called to respond to those around us, particularly for those who may have stumbled, for those who are maybe in a place of weakness, or whatever it might be. We've, of course, been focusing on the, the practical outworking of our faith, what the glorious gospel, the glorious mercies of God uh, in our lives how that has an effect on us, what it looks like in action in our day-to-day lives. And so last week, Andrew preached a message on unity, uh, that in this particular section in Romans, in the last chapter, the last couple of chapters, Paul's been addressing some uh, issues, various matters that can cause division and judgment, that perhaps could uh, cause stumbling blocks being put in one another's way. And now as God's people, there will be time where there are differences of opinion. Perhaps there will be different views or convictions on controversial topics. But in the midst of all that, we can be a people who welcome and we can be a people who maintain our focus on the thing that unites us, which of course is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the perspective we must keep at the forefront of our hearts and minds. And so Paul is kind of bringing that sort of argument, uh, what he's been laying out, to a close here in this passage this morning. So let's read from verse 1 of Romans chapter 15. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of of God. This is the word of the Lord. Paul is drawing his argument to a close around how we can maintain unity, how we can love one another, even when there are difficulties, even when there are differences that may arise. And so throughout chapter 14, where we were last week, he was kind of addressing the, the negative, the, the don'ts, if you like. He was looking at the, the don't pass judgment, don't put a stumbling block in people's way, don't uh, quarrel. Those things, what, the what to avoid, if you like. Whereas this morning in this passage, the focus shifts to what we are called to do. The positives, the do's, the, what we can do to be the kind of people that reflect Christ Jesus to those around us. How we're called to live and respond and pursue unity. So there are a few things that I want us to notice this morning from this passage. A few things for us to grab hold of and put into practice and apply in our lives. And the first thing I want us to notice is this, that there is a call for us to follow. There is a call for us to follow. Now, in my Bible anyway, that little subheading of this section is simply called the example of Christ. The example of Christ. 
And so for Paul, as he's writing and concluding this argument, when he's bringing together all these threads, the exhortations that he has given on some tricky matters, what better way to finish than the example of Christ? And in the midst of the the issues that have the potential to be tricky and cause problems and division and all those things, you can just picture him sitting there writing, thinking, okay, what more can I say? How can I really drive home the point? How can I... um, Add things in there. What more do I need to add to convince them of these things? Ah, that's it. That's it. It's very simple. I'm going to point them towards the example of Christ. The example for us to follow after. In things that we may be walking through, the differences, the opinions, perhaps the weaknesses, the strengths even, let us not lose sight of Christ and his example. William Barclay, in his excellent New Testament commentary series, he puts it this way, it's not to say that there will not be differences of opinion. It's not to say there will be no argument and debate. But the Christ who unites us is greater by far than the differences which may divide us. Christ is our example, our model, our standard. We don't want to lose sight of who Jesus is, of what he is like, of what he was and is about. We want our lives to be modelled off the real thing. When calling his disciples, Jesus said, Come, follow me. Come, follow me. He didn't say, Come, impress me. Come, show me your wisdom and strength. Come, anything like that. He said, Come, follow me. Come and learn from my example. Come and learn from my manner of life and my way. So this morning, are we following Christ's example? His example of love and humility and mercy and kindness. His example of strength and passion for the name of the Lord. Or are there things that perhaps need to be adjusted to match up with the model? It's like when you're maybe putting together some furniture. Perhaps something from Ikea or the like, where you get it out And you're trying to follow the example, follow the instructions. And it's like you've spent that time building. And at the end, you're like, oh, there's a couple of pieces here that are missing. There's a couple of pieces that I haven't added into the mix. I don't know if that's happened to you before. I've heard it's happened to others, not myself. But in those moments, you look back to the model. You look back to the example to kind of find out what are the missing pieces, right? Or maybe it's a recipe in the kitchen that you... You're trying to put together, you're trying to follow along. You're looking to the example, you're looking to the recipe to be able to create something good. And then when you get to the end, perhaps there are times when you're like, this doesn't really look anything like the model or the example. And I dare say it probably doesn't taste anything like it as well. In those moments, you you need to look back to the example given, to the model, the recipe, to see what may be missing. Are there things in our lives that perhaps need to be adjusted to match up with the example of Christ Jesus? There is a call for us to follow Christ's example. And if indeed we are to follow Christ's example, the second thing I want to encourage us in this morning, there is a call to look beyond ourselves. 
In verse 1, Paul writes that we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. The Amplified Version puts it this way, that those who are strong in your convictions and in your faith, we could say perhaps those who are doing well, those who are running strongly, those who have that firm foundation, those who are firm in your conviction and your faith. And if you're in that place today, let me encourage you. That's great. Keep on going. Keep your eyes on Jesus. But heed the call in Scripture that says, bear with those who are struggling with weakness. This word literally means to carry, to endure, to support. Bear with those who are weak. Literally meaning bear with the weaknesses of the weak. And at any point in time, there may be those who are perhaps wrestling through some things, struggling with doubts and fears, perhaps feeling trapped, perhaps having stumbled, perhaps being tripped up like the running race I spoke about earlier. Perhaps you find yourself in that sort of place this morning. Let me encourage you, take heart, to not give up. Billy Graham said that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's important for us to remember that all of us find forgiveness and love and mercy and acceptance at the foot of the cross. Whether weak or strong, whether we're running strongly right now, feeling great, whether things feel hard right now, we can come to Jesus and find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. This helps us to keep the right perspective. So Paul writes, for the strong, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Don't be so caught up in your own race that you miss those who perhaps have fallen down or who need a little bit of help on the way. And to build on this, Paul writes, don't just seek to please yourselves. And the Greek word here means to have an eye to one's own interest. So he's saying, not just, don't just have your eye to looking out for your own interests, but rather seek to have an eye to look to your neighbor's interests for their good. We live in a world, don't we, where looking out for number one is not only encouraged, but it's expected, it's celebrated, it's even essential to get ahead. And so much of our modern life is set up for our own comfort and self Satisfaction, to ensure our needs or our interests are met. It's like, don't stop in the race to help others out. Why would you do that? Just keep on going. Don't stop in the race. Look out for yourself. Look out for number one. And if we're not careful, this mentality, this ideology can creep into our hearts and attitudes and the church as well. We must be aware of the temptation to think this way, to live this way. And we must, as God's people, resist this way of living. As we seek to follow Christ's example, we see that seeking his own interest was not on his agenda. Seeking to please himself was not on his agenda. Lord, not my will, but yours be done, Father, he prayed. He came to, to seek and save the lost. He came to serve, not to be served. He came as the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. 
So Paul writes, don't just look to your own interests only. What happens when we look only to our own interests? Look to please ourselves only. Lots of things happen that aren't ideal. We choose to take up our comfort instead of taking up our cross. Now, I'm not saying here that there aren't moments to rest and recharge and all that. Please hear me this morning. But there is a call that if we're to look beyond ourselves, there will be moments where we will need to take up our cross, where we will need to look beyond what is comfortable or easy or even what we desire to do. We're called not just to take up our comfort, but take up our cross. If we're seeking just our own interest, we become critics instead of contributors. Critics instead of contributors. It's like when you go to a restaurant or something, you know, and you like order your meal, you order your coffee. And what's, what's the, the aim there? You're wanting a nice experience for yourself, right? You're there, you want your coffee the way you like it, you want your food the way you like it. And if that doesn't happen, what happens? You start to feel a bit unsettled, a bit like, ah, oh, this, this meal's not what I, the, the eggs aren't poached well enough. Coffee's too cold or it's too bitter or whatever. Oh, the service isn't great. And we start becoming a critic in that place. And that may be fine for a restaurant. You can leave your Google review and move on. But when that creeps into the church, that becomes an issue. That becomes an issue. Instead of looking for ways that we can contribute or looking for ways that we can encourage or help out or build others up. If our focus is here on ourselves, we become critics instead of contributors. If our focus is just on ourselves as well, our vision shrinks. We lose sight of those who have stumbled and fallen in the race. We lose sight of the areas of need. We lose sight of how we can be a blessing to others around us. We lose sight of that example of Christ Jesus. There is a different way and a higher call for us as followers of Jesus. Because it's countercultural to seek to look beyond ourselves. It's countercultural to stop in the race to help that other person out. It's countercultural to not only seek our own interests, but we're called to be a countercultural people. Not just a status quo people, not just a like everyone else kind of people. The disciples, those. In the early church, they were known as those who turned their world upside down. Why is that? It's because they lived in such a way that was counter to the culture around them and their lives matched up with the message that they were proclaiming. So why is there a call to look beyond ourselves? Why is it important for us to grab hold of this morning? Because that is what Jesus modeled. That's what Jesus modeled for us. It's no coincidence, as I touched on earlier, that this section of Scripture is titled The Example of Christ. And you know, there's a common theme actually in Paul's writings uh, around this theme of not just seeking our own interests, not just seeking to please ourselves. And it's like, as he paints the picture of the gospel, as he, as he um, unpacks the beauty and the wonder and the incredible nature of the mercies of God, it's like he's saying, you know, if the gospel has had an effect on us, if it's taken root in our hearts and lives, the incredible mercies of God and what that means. That has an effect, that has an impact, that has an outflow on the way that we live. 
He writes, for example, in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, he says, Let no one seek his own good only, but the good of his neighbor. A little bit further down, a few more verses in that very same chapter, he says, I'm not seeking my own advantage, but those of others. And then, of course, Philippians 2, wonderful passage of Scripture, well known, where he says, he writes, Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, he emptied himself, he made himself nothing. He took on the form of a servant, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What an incredible thing that is, that Jesus, the King of all glory, the true strong one, bore with our failings and our weaknesses. Indeed, he continues each and every day to bear with our failings and our weaknesses, to lift us up, to bear us up. And this should lead us to a response of humility in our lives, in our community of faith. Not the need to be right, Not the need to get ahead, not the need to win that argument, not the need to tend to number one as our first priority, but remembering who we are in in light of who he is and remembering that that is what Jesus has modeled and set the example for for us. There is a call to follow Christ's example. There is a call to look beyond ourselves. Finally this morning, There is a call to build up. Paul writes, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. I want to ask us this morning, are we building up? Are we the kind of people that are building up those around us? The manner of our lives, how we treat others, how we speak to and about others how we come alongside others, is it building up? The opposite, of course, to building up is to tear down. And in our culture, Australian culture, I love this country. It's an incredible blessing to be Australian and to live here. But one of the things that I find most frustrating or disappointing about our culture is this Aussie thing about tearing down. We love to tear down, that whole tall poppy syndrome thing. You know, recently, a few months ago, I was on holidays, annual leave at the coast. So another holiday story. It's not quite as exciting as European, Swiss Alps, and all that sort of thing. But bear with me this morning. I was going for a run. And I was running along, kind of uh, uh, not far from where the water is. I could look out and see. Glorious place. And as I was running this day, I could hear this crunching of of wood and metal and breaking glass and it was this horrendous noise and as I got closer I could see this big uh, heavy machinery uh, just being operated to tear down this house it was quite a nice big house right on the water looking out and it was crunching through the roof and the walls and all sorts of things and as I was running along part of me was like You know, there would be something satisfying, something somewhat satisfying to be driving that machinery and to be 
demolishing that house, to be tearing that down. They would. But then there was part of me that was also like, oh, how sad. How sad. That, that house, all those memories that are contained within its walls, all the people that have lived there, you know, all those who have enjoyed holidays there perhaps, how sad that it's being torn down, that it's being broken apart. And as I was thinking about that further, you know, tearing down brings division. As I was watching this house being demolished, walls were being divided one from another. Tearing down causes damage. It breaks things. It strips away what is there. And sure, it might feel satisfying in the moment. But ultimately, in the long run, how much better to build up? How much better to build up and restore? So Paul writes, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. To build him up. The Greek word used for build up has within its meaning this sense of edification. It refers to the act of properly building. Here it's used as a metaphor for spiritual advancement. And in this particular context, it means the instruction that builds a person up to be a suitable dwelling place of God. That is a place where the Lord is at home. What a beautiful picture that is. What a high call that is, that in response to this glorious gospel, as we live out our lives of faith, as we live in community and in relationship with others, instead of seeking to simply please ourselves and look to our own interests, instead of seeking to tear down, we have a call and a privilege and an opportunity to be a people who build each other up so that we can grow together into being people whose lives are suitable dwelling places for the Lord, a place where He is at home. Imagine what that would look like. Imagine what community would look like if that is our aim and our intention as God's people, to come alongside and to build up, to come alongside and build up so that each one of us would kind of grow and become, that our lives would become the, the suitable dwelling place for the Lord that He intends and desires for his people. And you know, building up, being a people who build up, that's not just pandering to whatever. That's not flattery. That's not anything goes and turning a blind eye to it because we risk offending people. That's not what building up is. It's not degenerating into easygoing, sentimental laxity, but it's that capacity to call people higher, to put courage into people, to call out the gold in people, if you like, to lift others up for their good. For their good. When was the last time you sought to come alongside someone and bring that word of encouragement, put courage into them, call them higher, call out the gold? Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, hey, no one's done that for me for a while. Well, let me encourage you. Don't think just to your own interest, but be that kind of person for others who follows Christ's example and looks beyond just your own interests and seeks to build others up. And watch what happens. Watch what the Lord does. I wonder how many of us like watching those renovation shows. Quick show of hands, quick straw poll. You know, maybe there's the block, I think, that's on. There's all sorts of other ones on various channels. I mean, it's, yeah, all sorts of them. We'll leave it there. But any of those shows that that are worth watching or worth any time or energy, 
They've got to do the work properly to build the house. I don't know how you waterproof a bathroom in like less than a week. That's probably an aside. But if in these shows, these renovation shows, if there are issues or weaknesses that they come across in the house, whether that's structural, whether that's a mold issue, whether that's a water damage issue, right? What, what happens to build the house back up? They've got to do the work to reinforce, to strengthen, to deal with whatever that particular issue is or weakness is. Why? So that it becomes an appropriate dwelling place once again. And you know, I really believe that this is why gathering together as God's people, his ecclesia, his called out ones, is so important for us. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. The problem, and as we've looked at in the last couple of weeks, around some of these issues that can arise in community, in family, that can bring division, that can bring judgment, that can bring opinions and all those kind of tricky things. The problem is, is that sometimes we, let it, we consider how we can stir up one another, to provoke one another. But actually the call of Scripture is, let us consider how we can stir up, how we can spur on one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I believe that's one of the reasons why gathering together in community is so important. Because there's opportunity to build up. There's opportunity to come alongside. There's opportunity to look out beyond ourselves and to look towards others. There's opportunity to lift up those who perhaps are bowed down, just like Jesus would do. This is a day and a time, I believe, where we need that kind of response. Not quarreling, not, diff, you know, not division, all those things, but being a people who follow Christ's example, a people willing to look beyond ourselves, and a people willing to build up in this kind of way. Back to that famous race I started with. Maybe Jeanette, you might like to come. Where's Jeanette? Andrew, yep. Back to that famous race I started with. You know, there's a, a statue that was made of that particular moment. It was called Sportsmanship. I believe it's, it's down in Melbourne near the Olympic Park precinct. So it was immortalized in a bronze statue. And of course, it's become part of Australian sporting folklore. But the runner himself, John Landy, was particularly embarrassed at the attention that his act of sportsmanship received. He was embarrassed the fact that he just stopped to look beyond himself, to look beyond his own interest to those of the other runner. He was embarrassed by the focus and the attention that he got from that. In our lives of faith, in following the example of Jesus, in bearing with others, in looking beyond our own interest, in being people who build others up for their good, it's not so that we receive attention and admiration. It shouldn't be anyway. Ultimately, it's so that God would get the glory. 
as it says in verse 6 of Romans 15. That together with, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The end result of this kind of life, of this kind of community being fostered and developed is the glorifying of God together. There will be times when it's not easy. There will be times when it costs us. There will be times when we may have to lay down our pride. We may have to lay down our need to be right. There may be times when it feels hard to stop in the race and look to the interest of others, where all we want to do is just carry on doing our own thing. There may be times when it feels frustrating to bear with, to come alongside, to to carry the burdens and the weaknesses of the weak, where it would be easier just to get on with it. But you know, in that, there is something that happens in our hearts and lives. There is a refining process that takes place, as it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, that our faith will be tested and proved genuine and will ultimately result in praise and honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing if that was the end result of learning to work through with love, with unity, work through tricky things, differences, opinions? Wouldn't it be amazing if the end result is that his people, us, are built up to become a suitable dwelling place for the Lord? That as we seek to follow Christ's example, all of a sudden we we come to look more and more like Jesus. And that ultimately, God will get the glory. He would get the honor. He would get the praise. So this week, as we go from this place, let's be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Let's look to Jesus the author, the perfecter of our faith, a model, our example to follow after. And let's look for ways that we can look beyond just ourselves. Let's look out for those maybe who've stumbled and fallen down, maybe those in need of help. Maybe it's sending a text or giving someone a call, hey, just want to see how you're going. encourage us this week to be the kind of people who build up, who put courage into, who call higher, who call out the gold, who spur others on to love and good works so that together our lives would be built up, our lives would more and more become those dwelling places suitable for God where he delights to dwell so that he gets the glory he gets the praise. Would you stand this morning to bring our time together to a close? I'll get the prayer team to come forward at this point as well. Offer love to just offer prayer, 
opportunity to come and encounter the Lord, be upheld in prayer for whatever the issue, whatever the need. So Lord, I just want to thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, that you have been here in our midst this morning. Lord, the joy of being able to worship you, turn our gaze and our attention towards you, to be in community, to partake of communion, to open up your word. We thank you and we honor you and we praise you. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us, Lord, to be a people who follow your example, follow your example of love and humility, kindness, all those wonderful things. As we look to you, we see Jesus. I want to ask that you would help us to be a people, not just seeking to please ourselves, not just looking to our own interests, but Lord, would you help us to look out beyond ourselves the interest of others. We know that's what you modeled for us, Lord Jesus. I ask, Lord, as well, that you would help us to be a people who seek to build up, not tear down. To come alongside, to strengthen, to call higher, to call out the gold, all those things, Lord God. Let that be what marks us, Lord. Not division, not just opinions, not just differences, the things that can bring disunity. But Lord, may we be a people who live in this kind of way. So that Lord, among us, you would find an appropriate dwelling place. A place where you delight to be, Lord God. I just bless each and every person here this week as we go from here. Whatever our weeks may hold, may we know your presence May we know your nearness, your goodness, O God. And may there be opportunities to look out beyond ourselves and opportunities to build up, I pray, so that you would get the glory, so that you would get the honor and the praise and that you would be seen in our lives. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.